This week of the Stumbling, Bumbling, Fumbling podcast is brought to you in part by... These nuts... Welcome into the Stumbling, Bumbling, Fumbling podcast. I'm your host, Adam, along with your co-host, Mitchell Berry, your discount Matthew Berry, as you know and love. What a crazy week. You know, so much to talk about, so much uncertainty going forward with the injuries, and so much tilt. I am tilting hard. Everybody in the league's tilting. You got people trading already on on the tilt so you know there's a lot of a lot of stuff going around a lot of uncertainty but i could say one sure one thing for sure mitch you know what that is what's that at least half of the people in the league won this week Ooh, that is true and unfortunately i was not one of them <laughs> neither was i ah. ah there's all a lot always next week but let's roll into the news that hurt some and helped others go ahead all right, so uh, we'll go ahead and lead with the bad news. Uh, if you have Dak Prescott, and by you I mean Zach has Dak Prescott, will be out for four to six weeks with a broken finger. If you have any of the Tampa Bay wide receivers, it's something to monitor this week. Chris Godwin is doubtful. Uh, Mike Evans and Julio are both questionable and have yet to practice this week. Um, and even beyond that, uh, Russell Gage also has a hamstring injury. Uh, continuing on... DeAndre Swift, but he claims he's okay, uh, but something to monitor. I, I have a feeling they're going to be at least a little lackadaisy with his workload going into next week if he doesn't practice. Um, George Kittle tried to practice today, but was a no-go after re uh, re-injury. So George Kittle's looking like he's going to ex- he's expected to miss week two. Uh, Keenan Allen was already ruled out for this week, so if you have any of the uh, Chargers wide receivers, uh, definitely worth checking to see if they might be worthy of your flex spot, um, specifically Palmer. Uh, Mike Williams, you're already starting. but uh, And beyond that, Elijah Mitchell's probably, him and Dak are the biggest ones here, out eight weeks um, with a sprained MCL. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens in that backfield. Uh, but moving on to some other things to monitor, these are uh, players that are going to be more questionable. They're probably going to play, but it's worth watching what uh, Elvin Kamara, Michael Pittman, and Mac Jones. Mac Jones with his back, uh, and then Pittman and Kamara, both with soft tissue, uh, soft tissue injuries. I think they may have both been hamstrings or quads. Um, so definitely worth watching those three players as we approach some. However, you know, it's not all bad. You know, sometimes you'll get guys that will be like J.K. Dobbins out week one, and then he's going to start his campaign this week um, as he's set to return to the Baltimore Ravens lineup. Uh, beyond J.K. Dobbins, we have T. Higgins. Uh, still questionable, but he's he's on pace to play for Sunday. So um, barring no setbacks, we'll have T. Higgins return to the lineup for Cincy. Najee Harris was upgraded to active, and Green Bay is finally going to get some help, some help at wide receiver with Alan Lazard expected to be back the lazard king will be victorious mark my words and 
with that unfortunate news, I mean, you know, you got two big ones in Dak. That whole offense is going to suffer. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Or maybe, you know, the running backs over there will uh, be good. Um, but then you got my Elijah Mitchell, the missile himself, out eight weeks. So should be interesting to see what running back carousel they have going on there. You never know what Shanahan's got planned. So yeah. that's yeah. that like one and points while the one on their bench guys got like 15. See the the Niners just my rule of thumb has always been avoid that backfield. Um it's every any given week it's a different running back but um especially now I mean Kyle Han- Kyle Shanahan came out and said this week that he's just going to go with the hot hand. So if that's Jeff Wilson, you know, that's the guy who's getting the hype to fill in for Elijah Mitchell, but I think committee uh, but I don't think there's going to be a guy in that offense uh, running the ball. So with Mitchell out, I would avoid all 49ers running backs. Yep, probably. So let's go into a quick recap of last week's matchups. We'll start off with uh, with me and JP. So closer game than uh, probably expected by a lot of people. It was a 20-point uh, difference, but – you know it's hard to it's hard to compete with someone who's get puts up. So I mean he had Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift combined for fifty points by themselves, and that the hip and Miles Sanders make that uh, sixty seven points by themselves. So I mean they his running backs really led him to victory, and he he didn't need much else from anybody else on his roster. Meanwhile, I had my running backs fail me miserably. You know. Ezekiel Elliott, um, David Montgomery, and Elijah Mitchell combined for 14 points while my wide receivers went and had career days with Justin Jefferson and Pity City uh, going off. So that was definitely a good game. Moving on to um, the knee biters and the Galladay in, Nick Quarter and um, – shoot – which one's Pac-Man? I mix you up. Ben. Also, kind of a closer game. Only a 13-point uh, deficit. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, if Aaron Rodgers would have uh, actually thrown a touchdown pass, you know, Ben would have won. And that that's pretty much the end of that story. Everybody un- kind of underperformed on both sides of the ball. Van Jefferson was in uh, <laughs> Nick Quarter's lineup. I don't yep. think he even played. He did not. So, you know, he somehow it still got the win, even without an active player. So, you know, big L, too. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Dude, that, I that's big L's for you. Um, another close game, uh, Anthony and uh, Brian, a six-point deficit. You know, just the sad performances on both sides of the ball. Bare, not even breaking 100 for Brian. Barely cracking 100 for Anthony. Um, not even much to say there. Yeah, you, and, you know what I would say about about that one matchup, though, is, you know, Anthony coming into it, his strength was his running back. Um, but this is really how week one of fantasy football will go. His strength at running is, is running back with Kamara, Aaron Jones. Um, but yet he got... 
receivers and his quarterbacks, which ironically were the weak spots on his roster. So if that doesn't summarize fantasy football in one matchup, I, I really don't know how else to describe it. But yeah, it's uh, that was a low scoring matchup for sure. But it, it's definitely nice to see Anthony get a win, um, his first win. Um, I guess he. Uh, happy to see Anthony come in here and start winning. Yep. And moving on to even a sadder matchup, Zach and uh, the Bouge Patriarch. Uh, Zach somehow managed to win with Dak Prescott getting injured, putting up four points. And Cam Akers putting up zero. Like, that's that's <laughs> just to me. Um, poor, poor Jeb had uh, George Pickens get three yards. Uh, Westbrook Akine get one catch for 13 yards. Devontae Smith be non-existent. I don't know if he showed up to that game, came out of the tunnel, zero points for – zero – didn't even get a catch. Four yeah. targets, zero. So just, just a sad showing from both. I'm sure they'll uh, both rebound next week, though. That can't be a trend for those guys. No. And the, the week, definitely Mitch and uh, Keegan – you know, one fifty five to one sixty one. That that would have they would have won any game of the week, but naturally they have to face each other because that's just how it goes in the fantasy football. It came down to the six minute mark in the fourth quarter of the Monday night game to determine the winner of that. So, um, yeah, that that was probably the most soul crushing defeat I've had in fantasy football in a long time. Um that one hurt more than actually losing in the championship last year, primarily because it's Keegan, <laughs> um, also because of the smack talk, um, and then three because I did the that week and ranked him at seven just for him to turn around and beat me is like extra salt in the wound. But watching that game, like w- that score dwindle down and him actually surpass me was was definitely demoralizing for sure. Yeah, a huge win for. For how much of it was luck and uh, how much of it was really um, them playing to that potential every week, uh, I don't know, but we'll find out. And final matchup of the week, um, uh, other Nick, Nick Molner, and uh, Jake. And Jake pulling out the win by only seven points. So there was a lot of close matchups this week. There was really no full-on blowouts. Um, They were all very competitive games going into week one, which was kind of surprising. I thought there would be more full blowouts than there was. Um, you know, if Matt Stafford didn't throw three picks, uh, Nick Molner would have won that game. All, only seven-point differential. Definitely uh, good good players on both sides of the ball. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but, I mean, yeah, they had players like that. Uh, players score sub three points and still somehow had some big play potential and to make that game, you know, competitive and high, still relatively, you know, high scoring. Yeah. Um, I, I'm impressed with the first week. Like you said, all the matchups were close. I was just looking at the weekly recap and, and the biggest blowout was 16 points, which is a close game and just about by any standard, especially with how, we're in a super flex league with extra roster spots. So it was a close week. Um, Points is really nothing. If you think about it, that's like a touchdown and a half, not at all. Kudos though, to Keegan, not only winning, but he also scored uh, 90, got 99.8%. 
161. His max score would have been 161.32. Um, right. So he, he was the best manager of the week as well. Whereas I could have had a potential 18 more points than him, but I set a shit lineup. So uh, kudos to Keegan. He got best manager of the week and unfortunate. And uh, got the worst manager of the week at 74%, scoring 97.14, and when he could have scored 131.34. So, <laughs> sorry, Brian, but uh, set a better lineup this week. Yep, that's just how it goes, you know. And as the as the season progresses, we'll get more accurate setting lineups, or uh, maybe some of us will still start inactive players. But we shall see. Money's on the quarter. <laughs> Uh, let's do some quick uh, trade analysis. You want to go ahead and start? Yeah, uh, not not uh, as trade heavy as podcast last week, but definitely had some some big trades go down. I think it was uh, Josh Jacobs on the move again. He's getting tossed around all off season, but it looks like Josh Jacobs is now on his way to where was he going? The Josh. League. Yep, he's on his. way. Which I think is a trade in which he won. He he won, in my opinion. Uh, it involved Brian Robinson, who's only a year younger than Josh Jacobs, so their age difference isn't substantial. Josh Jacobs has already solidified a role as an RB two or flex play. Um, obviously, Brian Robinson has not. Um, so, and then a third round pick in there. Jake, you know, has players to spare. So it doesn't really hurt his starting lineup much, but um, I definitely think Keegan overall won that trade, in my opinion. Yeah, um, he's and- looking for um, you know upside for the future. You know, he's hoping that Brian Robinson can come back from those gunshot wounds and still come out. Antonio Gibson is the number one, so uh, definitely a lottery play there. But he's def- he's getting some value with that third away. But I would agree, Keegan won. Uh, he's got somebody put in his starting lineup today, but who knows? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Robinson could just be amazing. You know, maybe the gunshot wield uh, wounds end up uh, healing back like steel. We just yeah. bounce off like those bullets did. Um, but next, we got uh, one more trade. You know, Keegan just can't Keegan again. Stop. Yeah, he's he's addicted. He's addicted to trades. I'm convinced. Um, this one is doesn't have much fantasy relevance, in my opinion. Um, I don't really see a lot. I see one one person getting more upside with younger players in a second. Um, but Raheem Mozart's a running back at, at the age of 30, and he's the number two. And I believe he only had four carries in week one. He's not a big part of that Miami offense. I don't think he's going to be a big part of that Miami offense. Um, and along with DJ Chark, who wants Jameson Williams is back, would be the wide receiver three. Offense, you know, had a good week one, but is probably going to end the year in the middle of the pack offensively. Um, so I don't think Keegan really receives a lot of fantasy value. Um, he actually gives up his second round pick, which you and I both know is a high value pick. Um, mm-hmm. Gives that pick up along with a 23-year-old running back who has a lot of upside. So I think Keegan took that trade he won yesterday, turns around and loses a trade pretty pretty badly. But yeah. he might see something in those players that I don't. Uh, but I just don't see him getting anything of fantasy relevance in return. Right. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know how Keegan's made some pretty solid trades over the over the course of the offseason. Like most of them are even and it's just kind of an opinion on upside. Um the last one was pretty good. He he got a steal on Josh Jacobs, I think. But this one just doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. You're getting a backup running back in Raheem Mostert, who's thirty two. You're getting DJ Chark, you know, who like you said, I mean, he's got big playability, don't get me wrong. But like he's not, he he's good. But that the what he got to give away a second round pick, uh, Travis Etienne, who had juice last week and dropped two touchdown passes, and uh, Nicole Collins, who's just kind of like a toss in there. Like it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I don't know what he's thinking on that one, but you know may, maybe DJ Chark is the next Robbie Anderson, in which case he'll have. One or two good years, and then be non-existent. Yeah, I always, I always take a unique approach to trades, right? Like I always look at it like, does this, like, where would this player sit on my lineup? So if I get a pretty good receiver, but I have four receivers better than him, right? So I look at it and I see, I don't see Mozart, Shark, or Collins as making a starting lineup. Uh, the only player here, and not even ETN at this point, he needs to turn it around, but at least ETN has that 23-year-old upside. Um, yeah, and, I, ETN so. can be flex play by the end of the year. Um, I mean, that that's a weird backfield right now because it seemed like they were real happy with James Robinson and his recovery. He looked like he was playing really well, but, you know, they utilized both of them a lot, so... It could be uh, Aaron Jones and um, AJ Dillon type situation over there. One's a passing, passing back, and then the other one's uh, you know goal line, which I I think is probably a pretty accurate description of what they're going to try to do going forward. But, yeah, um, and they had their their touches were six to twelve. Uh, in the receiving game, Etienne had four targets. So if those all are catches, you're looking at a eight was an eight touch game, which is pretty close to Robinson. So like you said, I think it could end up being a close to fifty fifty split. Uh, but it is something to say, you know, James Robinson coming off a Achille, I think it was an Achilles tear. Uh, Etienne's been healthier longer, and then Robinson just gets right back in there and out out touches Etienne. So it'll be interesting to see what that backfield does over time. Um, and actually, same with Miami as well. Yep, and I got the uh, notification. Actually, Brian Robinson is back practicing, at least limited. So, yeah, that's a shocker. He must got glutes of steel, like I predicted. Hmm, what do you know? All right, we'll move into my power rankings. Let's see. What do I have here? Some people might be upset. And that's why you can call the hotline. I'll send out the link again. You can call the hotline next week. Tell me if I'm stupid. I don't care. It's my opinion. You have to listen to it. But we'll play your hotline call. You can vouch for your case and see who agrees. So, number one, I think, with a bullet, Jake, the Sneaky Ducks. You can't, I mean, 161 points last week. Outstanding quarterback play, even on his bench. Just uh, his wide receivers under uh, underperformed a little bit, 
but uh, they should bounce back. Don't, you know, Jake's going to be hard to beat. He's going to be hard to beat this year. Or, uh, excuse me, he didn't have 161 points. He had 126 points. But uh, I still think his team does have more upside. Javante Williams looked like he had quite a bit of juice. Um, DJ Moore should bounce back. Uh, Allen Robinson should bounce back. And then uh, he just got some new uh, acquisitions uh, on his team as well. But, yeah, I I think he's still number one, even though Christian had that big week. Uh, Could could be a a fluke on Christian. I don't know. We'll see. I don't have faith in Michael Thomas. Um, I don't think uh, Jerry Judy is going to put up that much every week either. But we will see. Moving on to Mitch in the number two spot, 155 points. Um, AJ Dillon, a little bit surprised. Didn't think he was going to out snap Aaron Jones and, uh, he put up that many points in a, in a losing game. You know, they got blown out and still he got that many targets. Uh, he got six targets, five receptions, you know, and still 10 carries on top of that with the touchdown. So that was a surprise. Um, you know, Lance, you know, next week when he's not playing in a monsoon in a slip and slide, he's going to bounce uh, bounce back, have probably his first good game in the NFL. And, you know, overall just a balanced roster. He didn't have anybody put up a like a real shit game, but had, uh, you know, everybody had almost 10, if not 20 plus. So those two spots didn't really change from Mitch's uh, projections last week. Uh, everything under this pretty much does move around. Um, so, in the three spot, who do you think, Mitch? Who do you think I got? Well, if I had to guess, um, I would guess in the three spot, you'd probably either have JP or Keegan. I think Keegan made a name for himself, but I think JP, again, has a solidified roster with elite running backs. Uh, I would probably guess JP or Keegan. No. I have Nick, Nick Molnar. So there's definitely going to be. I, I think this some of my uh, rankings this week are a hot take for sure. But I think Nick Molnar uh, is uh, he moved up two spots from your rankings last week. You know, Najee Harris had the sub ten point game. That's going to change. Um, Matt Stafford, you know, that's not going to be the same. But like the rest of his roster. Still looking good. You know, Mariota put up solid points, which was shocking. Nick Chubb, solid. Dallas Goddard, just okay. <clears throat> Mike Williams, the worst player on his team, but, you know, he's he's a starting wide receiver in every single league out there and is probably going to put up <clears throat> a uh, monster game this week with Keenan Allen. And, uh, you know, with the Keenan Allen injury, I think that's an injury at his age that's going to linger. So I think Mike Williams is going to have pretty big upside. And that's why, you know, in his bench, actually, is pretty stacked, too, is, uh, is I think the main reason I put him up at that spot because he's got a good starting lineup with high upside. And he also has a pretty good bench. And uh, that's really important. Number four, I have Keegan. That's where he slots in up three spots from your rankings. 
Um, a surprise, definitely a, a surprise. I don't think we expected him to do this well, but Saquon Barkley is back. Holy cow. Yeah. 30, point, 30 fancy points, 164 yards, a touchdown, a two-point conversion in six tar- or six receptions for 30 yards. The man, he looked good. He looked really good. And with a competent, um, you know, coach now who can actually scheme him and, uh, you know, put together like a winning playbook. I mean, Saquon Barkley might might be a top two running back this year. He looked really, really, really good. And then he's got Winston over here smacking on dubs. (laughs) Like, I mean, I, you know, the Saints looked good. The Saints looked good. They got everybody on the field except for Alvin Kamara involved. Um, you know, Winston didn't throw an interception. Uh, mm-hmm. Two touchdowns, a two-point conversion. I, I've, I've got high hopes for the Saints. I predicted them as a Super Bowl um, sneaker. And, uh, you know, that's I might be right. I might be right. But then yeah. the rest of his team solid. And he's got the Michael Thomas uh, Winston stack. So that always helps helps your score. Michael Thomas, two touchdowns, just an absolute shock to me. I didn't think he still had it in him, but um, maybe yeah. he does. And I, I thought a, there was a Winston press conference where, like, they, they seem to be uh, on the same page. You know, Jameis Winston's the quarterback, but it seems like Mike Will or uh, Mike Tom, Tom Michael Thomas is actually running the offense. He gave him the eyes or something. He's like, "Oh, I gotta get the ball back to Thomas." You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice here and say Keegan just said, "Like, screw it this season and go get players that are undervalued." Like, I I guarantee that Keegan wasn't sitting here like, "If I run back again." Oh, and Michael Thomas is the old, the Michael Thomas of old. You know, like I think he just took those, hoping that they would hit, and just lucky for Keegan. They both hit, and I think watching them both play, I think they're both good. So I think uh, his gamble, his his little gambit here, is paying off for him. Uh, that picture from Michael Thomas from 2018, 2019, and Saquon Barkley, um, regular old Saquon Barkley. He's got he he's got a solid roster with no weaknesses. Um, I actually, you know, did my little update as well, and I, I that's where I, I stuck Keegan was at four. Even yeah. though he beat me, I still had him behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay. And in my five and six spots <clears throat> are very, very close. Uh, and I'm changing my mind here last second. JP in the five spot down uh, down one slot from last week. But in um, Zach in the sixth spot, um, pretty they're pretty close lineups really. You know, JP put up – good numbers but Zach still has a, a, a solid team even losing uh, Dak Prescott I mean he didn't put up a lot of points last week probably mostly because of that Dak injury um, so like I, I still have a lot of faith in Zach's team but you know JP put up a surprise game um, it's gonna have a pretty good lineup it looks like you know like like I said his running backs are stacked He's got uh, some good upside there, but, you know, um, let's see. Whoa. He's got, uh, but 
you know, his starting uh, tight end, George Kittle. You know, you don't want to see a groin injury. Those groin injuries linger. And he's known for injury be, being injury prone. And you had to start Cameron Brait. You know, at one point, Cameron Brait's not putting up any points. You know, he, he's lucky to somehow find his way into the end zone. Uh, and he might next week, you know, with all the wide receiver injuries over there in uh, Tampa Bay. But, you know, that's not sustainable. So, it's, it was really close, though, between Zach and JP for kind of those reasons. But I put JP above just because his running backs are so elite and uh, will continue to be that way. Yeah. Number seven spot, me. Um, I went. I, I put myself up two spots. You know, I think Justin Jefferson proved who he's going to be this year. 34 points, absolutely tossed the, the Packers by himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately. Michael, Michael Pitt- Seemed to be the only one that Matt Ryan could throw the ball to effectively. Uh, put up solid points as well. Um, you know, Elijah Mitchell killed me um, this week. But, I mean, my quarterbacks, somehow at halftime, they both combined for, like, under three points. And then at the end of the game, or at the end of their games, gave me 30. So, I mean, garbage time, but I'll take it. And, uh, you know. Ezekiel Elliott isn't going to put up five points every week. David Montgomery played in the monsoon, isn't going to put up six points every week. So there's still a lot of upside there. And uh, for that reason, I think I I put myself at seven. And, oh, with Dak Prescott, you know, Zeke Zeke is going to get way more carries. And Dalton Schultz, since they – Cooper Rush probably isn't going to be throwing the ball downfield to um, CeeDee Lamb. Probably going to dump it off to some, a bunch of short routes to Dalton Schultz. So, yeah. Speaking of Cooper Eric, Rush, uh, I, I know a lot of people wanted him. So, yeah, you lick my balls. Uh, you didn't need him at all. Little, <laughs> yeah. So petty, so extremely petty. More so for Zach than you, Arnold. But yeah, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. Two things to your team is like I said, the Cooper Rush. But that was more just a snub. Uh, actually, it was when I made that waiver claim. I specifically thought to myself, "This might piss off Zach," so I made it. Um, <laughs> and then the second one is um, you mentioned Elijah Moore not doing well, but I think I speak on behalf of every other person in this oh, league. No, Elijah, not more. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, either way, Elijah Moore also didn't have that great of a game, um, but I can speak on behalf of everybody here. Maybe not you but everybody else in the league who was happy that Corey Davis was the leading receiver for the New York Jets in week one. Hopefully that trend continues. See Corey Davis blossom. So um, that was nice to see. All right, moving into the next spot. Ben. Ben, uh, it was all, this was another close one. Uh, it was between Ben and Brian for the number eight spot. Had to go with Ben here, um, just a slight edge because his quarterbacks look better. Uh, Brian had Ryan Tannehill, who did not look good at all. And, uh, you know, Brian's bench is pretty weak, whereas uh, Ben has a little bit more upside there. Um, so, yeah, I'll just keep it at that. Uh, number 10 spot, Anthony. 11, uh, Jeb Bouge. And number 12, Nick Quarter. 
because he didn't start or he started Van Jefferson. <laughs> so you get last. That's oh, my rankings. Call into the hotline if you disagree. If you want to vouch for yourself, try to get yourself a boost in next week's rankings. I'm sure Mitch will be shifting them around anyway. Next week's uh, scores will shift them around anyway. But you can still um, call in, let us know what you think, and uh, maybe give your own trade analysis. That's a good summary and a good ranking. Uh, you know, a bit bit shifted and a bit different than mine, but I like that. And, uh, you know, I just want to see somebody else shake it up a little bit. I remember I probably got feedback from half the league about where they were ranked and some, you know, less happy than others. So I know that they have an opinion and I know this is going to get listened to. So I would also encourage people to actually join us and comment where they think they stand and where their, you know, bullshit lineup, you know, has earned them, you know, and if they're not happy with it, then you and I would be happy to rebuttal them. To a piece of shit. <laughs> yep. And uh, just to wrap up, looking to next week, looks like we got some more um, close games. Uh, a lot of the projections are within uh, five points. Uh, you and Ben's, or no, Brian and Ben's match up next week is literally 0.6 point uh, projection uh, difference there. Um, so, I mean, they all look like some close games. Should be interesting to see um, some of the big scores last week's uh, last week matchups were flukes or if it'll be a, a weekly thing. Uh, see if the week one hype train is rolling or if we're going to all tilt again next week. So, That wraps it up for today's episode. Good luck this week, and we'll see you next week.